Welcome again to the podcast of The Urban Mystic. Today, Steve and I have a conversation around a model that I put forward. This model is quite integral to my thinking around religion and spirituality, and quite integral to my deconstruction of religion and the challenge of religion, the challenge of the problem of God for people today who don't want to be religious, but yet still want to cultivate a mystical life and a lifestyle of of engaging God and cultivating intimacy with God. So head on over to urbanmystic.blog and pick up a copy of the model and uh, take a quick read through it or just uh, you know just keep it for reference for the conversation that, that that we have. This isn't a direct explanation of it. It's a, it's a conversation that takes place around it. So I had a couple of reads through the mind map. I'm just wanting to make sure that I'm actually following you. The self-revealing persons and then God is transcendent. Are you are you paralleling those or putting them as sort of in opposition to each other? I'm trying to understand this idea of God manifests and self-identifies, person or an intermediary manifests and self-identifies. Are those two separate processes? Not not necessarily, in the sense that as a topic or category that there's a very foundational category that is is incredibly far-reaching, and in our environments, people are raised to believe in a God they don't experience. But but when you read the the, the texts that those that the religions are founded on, the 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 engagement with with angels, the engagement with demons, the engagement with with God as as transcendent persons, non-corporal persons, is a large category. And and so it's it's not just limited to the three great monotheisms of Judaism, Christianity and and Islam in terms of you know historical in, in historical order. If you take a look at the primal religions worldwide, engagement with spiritual beings and ancestors is quite a primary thing. And so the ancestors manifesting in someone's life is the equivalent, is phenomenologically equivalent to God or angels or demons or other spirits pitching up and self-identifying and making themselves known. Um, but it's also prevalent in contexts like the new age and new age spirituality, where where even in things like you go for a Reiki healing session and the big person, well, one of the people, one of the proponents of of energy healing is someone called Barbara Ann Brennan. And when you read her book, um, uh, Hands of Light and Light Emerging, uh, off the top of my head, I think that's what they're called. When when you read that, she specifically credits her spirit guide Hale One as a as a as a as a non-corporal person that she interacts with that actually guides her her healing and 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 pushes energy through her to do healing and stuff like that. So so in this sense, there's there's a very broad category, phenomenological category, that I don't think is 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 well understood and well 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 pursued. And and for the most part, as as Western educated people, we put all of this under that banner of fiction. <laughs> Yes, and yet they read the Old Testament. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, and so, one of one of the running jokes that that the likes of Ricky Gervais always has is is you know um, is is the whole thing of I just believe in one less God than you. You know, Christians don't believe in any of this other stuff. They only believe that there's one God. You still don't experience it. And atheists just believe in one less God. But I think that the reality is, as you take a look at the great monotheisms and everything that's out there. What, and you don't necessarily prejudge. There's this. There's this. There's a. There's a model of interaction that we can build that is actually foundational to all of them, and especially the three great monotheisms: the the inbreaking or the becoming presentness of a spiritual being, be it an intermediary or God in person, is an integral part of it. It's foundational. And but 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 even the three monotheisms differ in terms of who has who has the privilege of this experience and who doesn't. And and whether whether this as an experience is is historically confined and therefore only available through the intermediary of a religious text that we've got, as opposed to available potentially to people today. When thinking of religion, spirituality, and mysticism, I, I use the language of the who or what we experience and the importance of that. This as a as a topic is an exploration of the of the who in that sense, and so getting back to the notion of the transcendence and the and that that inner outer experience of arriving at a state place, 
the language of the transcendent applies within ourselves to the mirror that is ourselves reflected back to us, or it's the vista from which we stand and we look back at the totality of the cosmos and its essential unity, or we look outwards to the fundamental underlying emptiness. You know, those, those are two big categories that I have and that I want to explore in future. And this is a category, is, is the third one, you know, where, where the inner state place ends up being a meeting place for transcendent per persons and a meeting place for, for something from beyond our horizon, whether it's, it's relatively transcendent or absolutely transcendent, as the claim is about God as opposed to spiritual beings as part of the created order, part of the cosmos. You know, there's the sense that, 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 that I arrive at the end of myself, right? And then a spiritual being steps into me and steps into my experience and is tangibly known to me and 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 speaks to me and engages me and interacts with me and shows me stuff and tells me stuff and gives me guidance and you know and then I pass it on to other people. You know, it's a it's a fundamental, it's a fundamental so so in that sense, it's just a fundamental category that I have when thinking of the transcendence. And it's relevant to any discussion about religion, spirituality, and mysticism. Because the human ex the human experience of an interaction with spiritual beings is a fundamental element of all the great religious texts that are out there, all the primal spiritualities, and even contemporary emerging spiritualities today. It it is there. Now, whether we understand this properly scientifically or not is not the is not the issue, and that's not really what I want to get into, you know, as a as a debate here. Whether we've whether people have experienced any and all the experiences that are available is also not really what we want to get into. The, the experiences that people have is actually directly tied to the, to the spiritual being that they encounter. So the who and the what in this case, the scope of the who or the what, their capacity, their interaction, the claims that they make is, is, is something that we don't always have access to. But then we don't have access to it in our religious texts either. You know, we, we, we have access to this kind of stuff via proxy. And so one of the things that I urge for people is, uh, is, is a shift in perspective to be open to this and to, to basically go, you can actually go and investigate this and you can actually be open to these experiences and invite them and actually have these experiences yourself. And of course, that, that opens up a whole plethora of questions itself. But definitely during this phase of the podcast where we're introducing ideas and we're deconstructing, I feel like the goal is to give people some things or some tools or some point of departure to open questions for themselves that they need to explore. And so we're not necessarily giving the answers to everyone, the answers to life, love and everything else, right? You know, this, this isn't, we're not going to give you the 42 that some people are looking for. Yeah, the seven steps to blessing, or and uh, or anything like that, John. Okay, and and the question of the problem of God that you raised there is that something that you're wanting to get into, kind of what you're describing now. Yes, yes. So, so I think there's there's two things for me that go hand in hand. Yeah, the one thing is the notion of self-revealing persons and and their integral um, connection to any and all religion and spirituality out there. And then the second thing is, is, is a shift in the notion of, so what is the problem of God and what is the problem of God today? For many people, the, the problem of God is framed as the notion or the, the philosophical conundrum of if God is all powerful and God is all good, but there's a whole lot of shit that takes place in the world. Either God is a chop because God doesn't do anything about it, or God is too impotent to do something about it, or God actually created good and evil, and so perhaps God isn't the good God that we think God is. And by this point, we've got so many trajectories on the table that let's just give up the idea because we're not experiencing God anyway, right? <laughs> so, so that's that's the classic. That's what I feel the classic problem of God is. It's a it's a problem of theodicy, the whole thing of of the problem of evil and God's response to it and our experience of evil and our sense of the complete absence of this so-called good, all-powerful God in the things that happen. So either God is the author of this or God is the permitter of this, but God certainly doesn't seem to be in the intervener of this for most people. And so is God really this good God that the Christians and the Jews and others are putting forward? Or is this just a fantastic idea that's a projection? 
and we should be done with it. You know, that's, I think that's the classic formulation. And certainly a lot of the conversations that I have with people that are anti-religious or anti one religion or another, and the people that are trying to convert them, that's what they hold on to, or that's what they, they have as a key thing. And certainly with a lot of people, their life experience and the experience of the shit that happens in the world is a massive deconstructor of the childhood naivety that they have, where, where God becomes more of a father Christmas that just never worked out. Okay, cool. Where do you want to start? Have you got a sort of a sense of a like a pattern of where we're going to go? Like a... I've got an infographic that I shared with you earlier today, and I'd like to start at the top. And I think for the, for the listener, urbanmystic.wordpress.com is the is the blog that that goes hand in hand with this and when when this uh podcast goes live a, a blog post is also going to go live and together with that it's just going to have the, the the mind map or the infographic in terms of what we discuss here tonight this may spill over into a second or a third episode depending on how the conversation goes <laughs> I think I think to start off with, just looking at the, you know, just remembering the, the conversation that we've had about worldviews, you know, going back um, a week or so, you know, that there is the problem of, of interpretation when looking back at other foreign cultures and foreign religious cultures that doesn't always translate. And so I think that this is a concept as well. I think, I think it helps to bear in mind that we like, we are people that live in the urban desert. And in the urban desert, we can go to a zoo and we can almost see a curated experience of them that is nothing like the reality of what's out there. And I feel I feel like with this as a topic, um, there's always someone that that has an experience and based on that one experience, they want to project and go, therefore, this is the universal truth. And, and of course, that's an error in, in any form of research. You can't just take a sample of one and project as though it is true for everyone, but it's a common mistake that happens. But on the flip side, you, you can't also go, I've experienced something within this urban desert called religion. And, and you know what? I know that God's not real because I spent my whole life searching for God within this urban desert and I haven't found God yet. There's, there's an importance to change the boundaries of our of our expectation behave and behavior in order to change our boundaries of our experience. And so I feel like this is a as a as a subject is one of the, the the tools that helps people go about doing that. And so I've got this I've got this mind map um or this this flow chart this this model of interactions that 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 is quite key to my thinking around this as a as a topic. And it's it's quite key to my notion of going, uh, I want people to let go of religion and the belief for God that doesn't correspond to any experience, to actually go, it's that's less important than the reality of the who and the what I experience. And so so the the ideas that are bring to the table, the idea of God must always be subject to the reality of God. And and I need to shift from the abstract. I read a text and I trust what it says, or I'm part of a religion and I, I just believe what it says because people have always believed that, right? So it must be true. You know, to the whole thing of going, I test this in and through my personal experience. I, you know, so, so either I can have a relationship with God or I, or I can't. And if I can't have a relationship with God, what does it matter? <laughs> but if I can, then it does matter to some degree. And, and if there is an inclination to pursue that, how do I go about pursuing that? And how do I make sense of it? Especially in light of the fact that I live in a Western world where there's a lot of religions that are marketing themselves to me, right? <laughs> and they're all claiming to be the truth. So, so what do I believe at the end of the day? And what do I make sense of them? Do I end up with the kind of belief where I go, they're all equally untrue, but I still don't experience and I'm okay with that? Or do I end up going, I want to experience and I care less about their truths and I care about the reality of God. And so I find that that is a, it's a practical shift. It's a shift in that dynamic. So, so for instance, when I criticize those wonderful religious people that come to my door with the cheesy literature, the name badges, and I go, why don't we just invite God to become present to speak and act and they get uncomfortable with that? It's it's because of this as a model and because because it is so key to my thinking that I want that to be a part of those interactions. And I want it to be a part of of the of interactions with people in in any situation. So if I run if I run a group or I have a conversation with people or anything like that, around this, the goal is actually to shift from the abstract to the concrete engagement. 
No, that's good. And so just to clarify two things that you're saying there, are you including in, in this the idea that when you move from abstract to concrete, what you're also aiming to set aside in the sort of the beginning is human to human interaction, right? You're entertaining these people who've knocked on your door on a Sunday morning <laughs> who walk everywhere. Um, and so when you move from abstract to concrete, what I hear you saying is that you're also looking to set aside two, two intermediaries. The idea of the sacred text as an intermediary um, in, in that it replaces experience, perhaps intermediary is not even the right word. And then even yourself as agent in the interaction, uh, taking a step aside. And the idea is then to, to not just have the horizontal human to human, but that it becomes then the vertical, this transcendent to human interaction that is not filtered through the horizontal into the vertical, if you follow me. So you step back as mediator, so it doesn't have to um, it doesn't have to emanate from you, neither from the whatever text is being referenced. For me, it's 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 just it's important to get away from certain interactions along the lines of you know someone going, I had a spiritual experience, but I realized in retrospect I was manipulated, and I, and and I felt something, but was it just? Um, they turned the aircon on at the right time. Yeah, was it just an ASMR response? Was it just the ethos and the setting? you know, was I set up for something, you know, and I thought it was real, but in retrospect, nothing is stuck, you know, and, and I think in many situations that actually happens for people, irrespective of their religious conversion, when they look back, they, a lot of it is just setting, you know, it's setting process caught up in emotion, the hype. And so, so for me, the, the difference here as well is that, you know, I can, I can pick up any book, right, and go, the Lord of the Rings tells me a lot of stuff. <laughs> the Bible tells me a lot of stuff. The Quran tells me a lot of stuff. The Bhagavad Gita tells me a lot of stuff. Am I believing one text over another? Is that really what faith comes down to? And so, so Quibus Kruger has got this wonderful statement where he says that when you think of what most people forward as faith, faith is actually for deism. It's not the faith in, it's not faithfulness to a God. It's, it's this leap from text to belief. It's a leap from from what a text is telling you to going. I believe this, but but where's the foundation? To it? the foundation is the text, and so for me, this is a way to get to get past that because I can I can have the religious person on my doorstep, and they read a book, and they faithfully interpret that and go, this is what the book says, and I trust that and I believe that. I go, that's cool, but where is your God? Is your God, is your God an idol, that? You know, so as opposed to people that carve idols out of wood and stone, and those things are deaf and dumb and don't do anything, you know, yes, you can move the puppets, right? <laughs> you can talk on their behalf, you know, like the magic puppet, you know, magicians that use puppets and, and things like that. But you can do that with the idea of God as well, right? You can have this, this puppet that's made out of your beliefs and your texts that you rely on. And, and it can be made to say what you what you want within the parameters of, of how it's been carved and shaped, right? But it's not real and it's not alive. It's got no agency in and of itself. And so for me, this this is a framework helps me helps get past that because I'm comfortable with other gods becoming present. I'm comfortable with other spiritual beings becoming present. You know, um, if there is a conflict between them and 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 the spirit that is within me, that's for them to sort out, <laughs> right? Um, so, so, so I'm I'm comfortable with that as a dynamic, but I I understand that a lot of religious people aren't, and I and there's interesting debates that we can have as to why, and and we're going to get around to that. But with this, what I want to do is just introduce a model because what you highlight there is what I call the ambassadorial dimension, the ambassadorial ambassadorial representation that is actually key within the religious text themselves, but is not very present today. Because the conversations today take place for a lot of people around the, the belief in, based on the text and the tradition you've got, and all the other services. So it's all indirectly supported. So, so it's rare that you find people actually having an experience or a consistent experience that they're building where they're going, I actually have been interacting with God. No, for the most part, people have a lot of experience where they've been going, I've been going to church and I get a lot out of the worship or I go to the mosque and I get a lot out of, you know, the rituals that we do or anything like that. And it's very personal and meaningful to me. But but you lending the meaning to that. You know, there's a glass 
there's you know in my case it's half filled with whiskey literally at the moment and 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 you're choosing to look at it as, as half full in terms of your faith and how it supports it you know but but that's that's not an interaction with a someone or a something and so the challenge is is how do we understand this and so with any good research you begin with what's been put on the table right and so when i take a look at primal religion, the new age, and the three great monotheisms. And I think for the sake of this conversation, we can just limit it to the three great mo monotheisms rather than, you know, everything else that we that we can include. When we take a look at that, the, the notion of, of, a, of a spiritual being arriving and becoming present to a human being is, is the start of there being a God and a belief in, and a belief in God. So, so if you take the three great monotheisms of Judaism, uh, Christianity and Islam, the the story of Adam and Eve being created and God becoming present in person to speak and act and walk with them, and then withdraw from them, and then come back, and then leave, and then come back, and the notion of God creating them and going, there's a special relationship between you and I. Humanity is not an accident. I I was intimately involved. I, I got my own hands dirty in making in making you as opposed to ascribing agency to other stuff you know let the land bring forth let the water bring forth there's a there's an intermediary and the intermediary is the impersonal cosmos you know whereas whereas with the with the language of of the creation of humanity there's the you know i i, I breathed my breath of life into you i i formed you with my hands etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's the starting point but then we can always put that in the box of myth and prehistory Right, so that goes back before the last ice age, and the and and civilization as we know it is is really this last ten thousand year period since the last ice age, where the recorded histories start um, being recorded, you know, and and civilization as we know it emerges, and so so we don't have access to to that time before civilization started forming the way we know it. We've just got these old religious texts that start, you know cropping up all around the world and and these three great monotheisms share these particular stories in common but when you dig into it you know you can take three key figures like you could take moses you can take paul and you could take muhammad and if you take a look at their story their story is exactly the same thing so you've got moses tending sheep he's old by now <laughs> he's run away from the idea of god and you know being the savior of his people and all that kind of stuff and and here's a bush that's on fire, and there's a sense of 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 God has become present to him, and spoken to him directly. And so here you have a spiritual being becoming present to a human being, that is then commissioned as an ambassadorial representative, is commissioned as an ambassador to go. You go on my behalf to these people, and then you bring them back to me. So that's that's a key key dimension. If you take a look at Christianity. Um, People always do the cheat thing and they go to Jesus, who becomes a nice, <laughs> nice canvas for for whatever your ideals are and the ideals of the faith are. But if you if you skip past him to to a figure like 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 Paul, he's exactly the same thing, except he's a he's an anti-Jesus person that's going about actually prosecuting and throwing Christians in prison for their religious belief in Jesus as the as the Messiah, as the promised Messiah to the Jews. And he's usually offended by it. And and he has this experience where he's on the road to Damascus and, and Christ becomes present, Christ as the risen Lord becomes present to him in person to speak and act and to set him up as an ambassador or representative again, right? And then Paul goes off and, you know, he ends up through a journey becoming that ambassador or representative. So that dynamic is there key, key as well. And if you take a look at Muhammad, again, it's the same kind of thing. He has a guy in around about the 600th, the 7th century, going up a, a mountain to a cave and, and a spiritual and a spiritual being becomes present to him and named, um, you know, that we trans translate or transliterate as, as the angel Gabriel uh, becomes present to him. So engages him and, and he becomes called as a, as again, as an ambassadorial representative and commissioned in a particular way. And so, and so that there's a common theme there between them and the dynamics between between them as individuals that get called and commissioned, the communities that they found and the spiritual beings that they interact with is actually a common thing that I that I want to draw out. So if you'd like as a listener, I just uh, I recommend that you go to urbanmystic.blog and you take a look at the blog post in connection with this uh, podcast, 
where you'll find a diagram and a mind map um, just to help you visualize what I'm what we're what we're talking about in this podcast. The beginning point of this diagram here is exactly that, where you have a spiritual being that enters into the this world. It's it's not a supernatural experience in the sense that people are taken out of this world. People are going about their ordinary life in the here and now. Something pitches up and speaks to them and says, this is who I am, right? And so you've got Yodveh, Hardware, you know, Yahweh in that sense to Moses. You've got, you've got, um, Jesus uh, Christ appearing to to Paul, and you've got the angel Gabriel appearing to Muhammad. It's exactly the same d- dynamic, right? That takes place. So, a spiritual being, either as, as God becoming per- present in person and self-identifying, or an intermediary becoming present and self-identifying, making the claim to represent God, becomes present to a human being, and it's this life-altering experience where we are God and human being meet face to face. And and that individual is then commissioned as an ambassadorial representative in the sense that God or the representative of God is going, you are called and you're called for this purpose. And you must now go and meet those people and represent me and bring them into relationship with me. And and of course what the relationship looks like is, is quite different. But when you follow the mind map here, you see that in the top position there's the notion of, of God who takes the initiative or the spiritual being that takes the initiative in becoming present to human being. The human being becomes the servant, the vessel, the apostle, the prophet that that stands before people as someone who has first stood before God. And I'm I'm quoting someone there who who, who had that as a phrase and I can't for the life of me remember what their name is. Um but but that's that's a profound dynamic because the person isn't standing as someone that's alone. When Moses went before Pharaoh, God went with him. When when Paul goes to the other uh, people God goes with him, and there's the, they get to experience God. When Muhammad goes about doing what he does, the understanding is the the the, the battles and the victories that he's given is because God's God's with him. You know, so so Islam I'm I'm I'm, I'm less familiar with. It's not not something that I'm I'm as native with, whereas the Judeo-Christian thing is is something that I'd, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable, um, like dialoguing about moving forward with this, but the dynamic there is present there. Now, it's also present when you look at primal spirituality, when that St. Gorma the Mangorma experiences the ancestor who's dead and departed, right, becoming present to them. It's the same kind of thing. And when they go about giving their guidance and they're throwing their bones or doing whatever they're doing, there's the understanding that they're being guided by these spiritual persons and the gods that are out there as intermediaries between them and, and the high god. The channeling and 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 the new age circles and energy healing and that kind of stuff. Spiritual entities and spiritual guides play a tremendous role. So so even if people are into, even if people are into things like tarot or they're into astrology or et cetera et cetera, many of the people that have a name for themselves and are very successful and are known for being good psychics are actually good mediums in the sense that they have a spirit guide that they relate to. And then the experience is clear. And so, so just to, to clarify things, people always go, oh, there's no scientific evidence for this. There actually is scientific evidence for it. And one can actually take a look at even double-blind studies that have been scientifically done that, that, actually, that actually supports the notion that people are hearing from a something. And what is that something? You know? um, so, so initially, this is, a, this, is, this is just a model that I... That I, that I like to introduce people to because it, it introduces this dynamic of a spiritual being becoming present. And so what is that? And then it opens the question of, have I experienced that? And am I open to experiencing that? But then it also clarifies the difference or what naturally deconstructs religion that rests on the foundation of faith <laughs> and foundation of, of the authority of the institution or the authority of the tradition, the heritage, as opposed to on the reality of the, of the engagement. That, that if, this, if this is a fundamental experience to religion and spirituality, then there's the opportunity for this to become a fundamental part of our experience, even if we're living within the urban desert, right? Because Animals have their natural habitats, and if human society is the natural habitat of the gods, then we should be able to expect to find them as part of our societies as well. You know, and certainly looking back at other cultures, that was the case. 
our society in the modern world is quite unique in the sense that it is not the case. And so the problem of God as a problem of experience and a problem of evidence, I think, rests on being open to this as a dynamic and going, okay, so theoretically this this could be, theoretically this is put forward as a hypothesis that we can test in our own experience. Cool. That's a very great departure point. I, I like that balance between kind of almost what I hear you saying is sort of internal, internal external. The, uh, the idea of the institution is more of an internalized, if I come back to your idea of text as media, uh, intermediary or even um, religious personnel as intermediaries. Um, the idea is that we almost um, we project internally meaning and the faith into this kind of framework and structure as opposed to the other idea, the more mystical idea, is the breaking in from external almost, the arrival of something from outside oneself. That is actually the thing, you know, you talked about God spotting earlier on. That's the idea, that's the awareness, the flag that is raised, is to be looking for that. Which, funnily enough, as you say, so many of the sacred texts speak to again and again and again as a primal uh, sort of foundational uh, idea. Yeah. And I think what's what's interesting is is when I, you know, I, when I speak to some people that are, are, are ethnically or traditionally or, or racially Jewish, you know, uh, the majority of the ones that I that I speak to, even if they're well versed in the Torah and they go to synagogue and and they, you know, they they're faithful, you know, they live according to the law and and that kind of stuff. This notion of experiencing this God is is largely foreign, and and I, I you know, I I I haven't personally spoken to many people of the Jewish faith that feel like they've had immediate contact with God in the sense of God has spoken to me a dream or in person, it's all mediated, you know, it's all, you know, it's all secondary experience in a sense. You know, with, with Christians, I find, I find it's often the same thing. You know, people, people may have had an inkling or an awareness and come to, to faith, but there's few people that I know that, that have gone into ministry going, gone, you know why I went to the ministry? Jesus appeared to me one day. He called me. I follow him. For a lot of people, it's it's. I was at an altar call. I was at a rally. I was at a concert. I was at a youth group, you know, and and I gave my life to Christ, but I haven't really experienced him. Or, or if you build on that, you know, five, ten years down the line, when else have you met? What else have you experienced? There isn't a sense of building on that, and I don't think it's built into the faith. And it's certainly within things like, like like Islam, there's the notion that, that that Muhammad is a prophet and only special people called prophets experience God and visitations from angels. Uh, and uh, Muhammad was the final prophet. <laughs> so even if you're a successor, even if you're a, 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 you know, a caliph and you run a caliphate, you know, as this, as this geopolitical religious terrain, you know, and country, you know, you're still not a prophet. You just inherit what was established there or re-establish something in the name of, but you don't get to directly experience God yourself, you know. Um, and of course, here I'm taking the, the mysticisms and the renewals and that kind of stuff off the table and just looking at the religion. Spirituality is character formation out of the, you know, putting them on the table because those things aren't actually about experiencing God. They are about living faithfully in light of your understanding of what God has commanded and how and where do you find those? Well, you've got this book and you trust this book, you know? And so, so it's, 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 it's for me, it's, it's a question of going, where, where, where are people primarily putting their faith? Are they putting their faith in the relational presence of God? Or they're putting their faith in, in the book, in a book over other books. I, th I think it's significant that if you look at the, the Judaic sort of reading of their scripture, um, and how centralized they are around, A, the person of Moses, um, which is interesting, and then the Mosaic law. And so I think it's quite, quite an easy thing to miss the rest of the personal interaction, and even though we might be talking about some of the other forefathers, etc. There's so much of a focus towards the person of Moses and his law that it's not surprising that one of the central definitions then of being a Jew is the person who follows that person and that person's law. And even then, as I think of the Christian New Testament, I mean, the bulk of the New Testament is Jesus and his immediate followers and their experience. 
there's very little else in terms of, I mean, you have this tiny, tiny little throwaway section after, you know, Saul meets Jesus and becomes Paul when this person speaks to um, Ananias. I think it is Ananias, you know, who's told to go and pray for Paul. Um, and so much of the rest of the happenings of the New Testament are around the, the apostles um, and, you know, and then Paul and those who directly were met, you know, in the flesh with Jesus. I mean, shame that even the poor women of the Gospels get such little airtime. You don't really get to hear from Mary Magdalene why she's so desperately following this man. You know, you've got some theories, etc., cetera, but um, you're missing all of that. Um, and so it's not surprising that then the, the Christian institution is built so much around other people's experience. Um, and, and even that is then somewhat suspect. Um, but I hear you then looking to reclaim, and this is where I see the transition. You know, if I look from Judeo to Christian move, sort of momentum, you can almost make the case in the, um, and we'll speak to some over others, whereas as it moves forward to the message that Paul takes on, their experience is so important of the apostles and those within the sort of first generation, that it's hard to continue that framework of, um, you know, we will believe just in the law or the text or the person who's come before us and told us this is quite a good thing to do. Um, so that's what I hear you you sort of, I don't want to say reclaiming. Um, that sounds like a lot of Christianese. <laughs> I, 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 do, I do like the notion of, of reclaiming because I feel like what I'm, what I'm, what I want to urge for people is to reclaim what what someone called Kiers Weissman uses this language of the first person present continuous. You know that spirituality isn't secondhand; it's first person present continuous. But when I hear them talk about things, they're often talking about what happened twenty or forty years ago. They're not talking about it's not a present continuous reality and experience for them. And so you can take a look at churches like the, the Apostolic Faith Mission. Why were 500 churches planted in South Africa? Well, John G. Lake healed the sick, right? In retrospect, I can deny that took place. In retrospect, I can look at him as a hero and go, he's the model for our faith. But, but the reality is that's not taking place now. And so, so is it a, are those stories fictions or are those stories realities? Are they, you know, is the difference between faith in and faith against one fiction versus another or is there a reality is there a reality of god that we can engage and i think i think i think the challenge that i'm um i'm acknowledging and i'm wanting to understand for people is precisely this challenge and to acknowledge is not from the perspective of a single religion but 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 also since since we are historically removed you know muhammad 600s, um, Jesus, you know, um, the turn of the common era, M Moses, a couple of thousand years before that, you know, we removed from them and their experience. So, so their experience was a contributor and it was tremendously important to them. But do I need to believe in their experience and accept their text in order to experience God? No, God, God can become present in person to speak and act. That's, that's the privilege of being sovereign, right? my belief in or my belief for a particular picture of God, when God becomes present, is God going to match that? Or is God going to be so much more than that and going to unravel? And, and therefore, I, my idea of God must become subject to the reality of God becoming present to me. You know, I think there's a lot of language within that, within the mystics of the God, rid me of God stuff, or, you know, or, or the moving from this, this, this knowing where I didn't know towards an unknowing wherein I know. You know, and that, that is a relational engagement that takes place over the course of, of one's life through relational experience. And so, so as a model, I feel like this 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 notion is is firstly to to recognise that it's a broad phenomenon, not a narrow one, and secondly, it's not a it's not a phenomenon that is limited to a text, and I must accept it by faith. The text is actually basically going, this is an experience that's for you, and it's an experience for today, and it's an experience that ought to be primary, and yet somehow it isn't in our religions. You know, and, and one can debate that, uh, and people do, 
and the turf that I'm most comfortable on is, is the Christian turf and debating on the Christian turf. And there I'd certainly debate to the end of the earth to go, if you've read this book and you don't think this has to be primary, you've missed it. <laughs> well, exactly. As, as uh, one great quote then that typifies that exact, uh, the, the, the opposite position which I came across this week, which I thought you might enjoy, is uh, Tim Keller, the, uh, the reformed speaker, says, if you don't trust the Bible to let it challenge and correct your thinking, how could you ever have a personal relationship with God? It's such a helpful statement because it helps me understand the opposite, which is, is God waiting for some text to confine himself in his own revelation to us as individual persons? And I think it speaks far more of the sort of constructivist approach, a human constructivist approach um, that wants something in a nice little neat boundary. Um, and it's easier to understand, easier to control. And in that picture, you then have Moses ignoring the burning bush because bushes don't burn and not burn up. I'm just seeing things. And he moves on and he ignores the voice that speaks out of the bush because that's not what happens. That's not how life is. That's not what whatever my tradition, uh, my text, etc. at the time has, has shown me. Uh, that's not the case. And yet the voice that speaks is this, what you talk about, this, uh, this relational prison continuous. Um, you know, I just think of the, the, the Hebrew language, the I am the thing that is, I am the thing that bees, uh, for you know, to put it in worse English, but a bit more accurate. <laughs> Um, and so I hear you that, you know, if, if, if there's anything in terms of this episode that I see coming together and crystallizing is that people can be open to this idea that God himself, God itself, God herself, God himself is not needing to be mediated by our own boundaries of what we would bring to the experience, our texts, etc., etc., and those are not unimportant, but the primary, the, 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 the beginning point is this thing that is external to myself as individual that breaks into my reality. It comes amongst to ask questions, to interrupt, to engage. One of the things I like about Moses is, is he, he pushes it further. You know, so, so, so the initial encounter is, is the thing of, of I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he goes, great, but what's your name? You know, I, I know you by reputation. I know you through the history. That's great. But I want to know you. I want to see you. And he, and he consistently pushes it. So even when, when Yahweh goes, you go to speak to those people, Moses goes, but if you don't go with me. And then he goes, even if you're taking us out as a people, if you don't go with us, again, that relational presence is, is, fun, is foundational. And I think, I think we, we haven't taken that. And so if you fast forward to, to Jesus, um, and he basically goes, make the kingdom of God, make God becoming present in person to speak and act your highest priority, make this the cornerstone of your spirituality. Only say what you hear the Father saying. Only do what you see the Father doing. You know, in, in, in his language. There again, he's pushing that further. He's he's taking it that step further and basically giving us a first person present continuous practice as opposed to a religion or an institution or a worship service or a let's go to synagogue or the temple or, or let's go for Sunday worship and, and 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 Bible study and you know hear someone preach you know as though they've heard from God and how did they hear from God they heard from God through the Bible you know or through the Torah or through the this or through the that there's there's a difference there where where they prioritize the relational presence over and above everything else but the the irony here as well is that they're the models for those faiths right and they did that but but somehow we, we are completely impoverished within our religions in the sense that we, we don't have any good practices of that. We don't have any good ways of schooling people into that. Um, and we don't have any expectations of what that's supposed to look like in your life, you know, um, or, or in my life, you know. And, and when, you, when you put it on the table, 
like it becomes increasingly uncomfortable for people because it's not a part of what we do when we do religion. And it's not a part of what we do when we do spirituality, but it is an integral part of being a mystic and being an urban mystic. The 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 big thing a lot of religious people have, and 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 yeah, I can highlight Christians because I've I've predominantly butted heads with them around this, <laughs> is that they quickly come back to the historic the historicity of the faith, and they want to assert that this is foundational. And that the only way you can know God is through these particular creeds and beliefs and through this particular text. But you can know all of that kind of stuff and still not know God, right? And that's that's the challenge here. And it's a challenge that's the fundamental deconstruction that that I'm that I'm wrestling with and trying to wrestle through with with people is this fundamental deconstruction that I can know all this stuff about God without ever meeting God face to face myself. And and so you've got these religions that is ostensibly all about a personal relationship with a God that you can never personally meet and personally relate to. <laughs> and that's the absurdity, you know. And so so the challenge is always, and I, you know, a few weeks ago I I was speaking to someone that I thought would be ideal for a you know a podcast and a three-way chat. And and we just ended up parting ways in the conversation because they they carried on bringing back to this thing that they wanted to insist that they wanted to insist that I, I, I could affirm these fundamental things about the propositional nature of the Bible and how you have to put this first. And it's, it's only in and through this that you can know God and be secure in that you actually know God as opposed to not God, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and my insistence of going, I understand that that's important for you and the world that you're coming from. But it's not important for me because my starting point was not a book and a faith. My starting point was God becoming present in person. And I genuinely believe that that needs to be the starting point for everyone. And and I've seen it become a reality for people where they experience that. And you know what? That's the role of any ambassador and intermediary in that sense is to enable that opportunity for someone else. Judaism is not actually a faith about Moses. It's a faith about Yahweh. Christianity is not a faith about about the Bible. It's a faith about Yahweh. And that's the fundamental difference. Whereas whereas around us, we've got so many wonderful, global-spanning, religious, conservative cults, right? They're not the ones where they're going to drink the Kool-Aid, but they are the one where they've got this person on the pedestal. And there's a fundamental flaw in that, in that we consistently put these teachers and these people that are human beings like us between us and God. And and they're the ones who've got these magic powers, right? No, they're not. It is it is God that alone heals. It's God that alone becomes present. It's God that speaks. So these people that we put on the pedestals as though these prophets and these healers and these wonderful people, and most of whom are just charlatans, you know, it, you know, in the sense of just going like like there's a there's a ridiculousness to to this where we put human beings in this place. Whereas when you take a look at genuine representatives and 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 yeah, you know, like like if I single out Moses, Moses didn't want to put himself on a on a pedestal. He wanted people to get to meet with God. And he was really frustrated in that dynamic of them going, actually, we thought about this, you go on our behalf. You know what? He still went. He still went. Why? Because he wants that more. You take a look at Paul, you know, Paul, like in, in, in one um, text, and I, I haven't I haven't looked it up, but there might be a good Berean amongst the audience that, that, that will. But 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 he basically makes a statement of going, when I preached amongst you, you 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 didn't receive the gospel from me. You received it from the spirit because God was so present doing things in and amongst you. There's a sense of, of ambassadorial representing a someone who becomes present to speak and act, as opposed to going, guys, you must make sure that the money's in the envelope. <laughs> guys, you must make sure that you come to my event on Sunday morning. Um, guys, you've got to be part of this crowd, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I think that there's, there is that fundamental litmus test in between the two. You know, like, like, by all means, pay for the religious goods and services that you need and want, right? Especially when it comes to funerals and weddings, right? There's, there's something great about someone facilitating events of that. But in terms of the spirituality thing, I think, I think we need, we need more.
And I think we've got to become more clear as people around whether we are part of groups that aren't opening this up for an experience and a, a relational dynamic for us, you know. And 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 we'll we'll definitely keep unpacking this as we as we as we deconstruct through the season, especially as we take a look in future episodes at the at the dynamic that takes place in religions and deconstruct that, because because this fundamental this component this as the cornerstone this this needs to be a locutional point of departure and return locutional is a, is the word for for sound and voice right the voice of god needs to be our point of departure and the point to which we return not a text the the, the presence of god needs to be the point of departure and return for us or the or the pursuits as opposed to the religion as the intermediary you know and so 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 with this is a model as well you know there's 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 a lot that one that one can take a look at in terms of the actual dynamic yeah i feel, I feel as though that is the weight of that uh, deserves its own sort of hour sort of going through um it, it it deserves enough time to unpack and i think it would be great i'd look forward to hearing some of your actual experiences there and then i'll share some of my own as well because definitely the deconstruction yeah <laughs> i i think I think you're absolutely right. You put your finger on the the kind of the axis of this previous order into now the chaos of deconstruction into the potential reconstruction of something else. Where it turns is around this idea of relational presence of God, the actual experience. And the funny thing about that is, is that it is so prevalent for so many people who go through that. And yet, you know, there, there are many cases of this is what I'm trying to say, but it's not something that you can average out again. It has to be dealt with on an individual basis. Um, I don't think, because I think otherwise you're back in the camp of the religious, which deals with the generalities and, um, you know, the umbrellas, and we're all going to fit in under this magical sprinkling of this prayer or this water or this you know, herb or whatever it is. But there is something foundational in looking up and seeing a burning bush that is not being consumed and knowing this, this is something I cannot manufacture of my own self. This is something breaking in from the outside uh, to call my attention and to, to engage. There's experience here. So, yeah, definitely, I think that's, that deserves its own its own time slot. We're approaching a good old a good old hour now. This is probably probably a good time for us to to call this in terms of a podcast. So thank you for taking your time to spend some time with us, and we look forward to continuing the conversation next week.